So um, I'm very thankful I ended up in Cardiff because the way it ended in Beatingheim was pretty strange and it wasn't how I wanted it to end, that's for sure. Plus, Lordo organizes hell of an erotic photo shoot, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Like, well, that's the thing, right? Is, is the guys we had at Cardiff, to picture doing something like that with those guys, <laughs> would have just been, oh, man. Like, that first year in Cardiff is by far, in a way, my favorite year of hockey. And I've talked to Todd about it. And he says the same thing. He says, that is my favorite year of hockey. And for me, I had to take a bit of uh, whatever it is, ego check, whatever it is. I thought I was going there to big, be the big cheese. And uh, I show up and I, yeah, like a pretty reoccur- reoccurring thing here is I wasn't in that good of shape. I was in good enough shape. That, but uh my knee was hurting. I wasn't playing very well. And uh, then I got urged to fix my knee and started playing better. And uh, I was a third line guy, really. Like I, and I was fine with that. I, I just wanted to win. I was at the point of my life in hockey. I just wanted to win. I didn't care how much I was going to play. I didn't care how many points I was going to score. I just wanted to win because I was – that's all you care about. Once you've done it and then you go the other way and you start losing, my goodness, does it suck. You know, you, Franny, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a, it, I know exactly what you mean because um, the first few years when I was with the Devils, like I was just a bench warmer sitting on a team and we won it every year. And it, like you say, it was just a case of, okay, so when are we going to get the next trophy and the next and the next one? And you just didn't know anything different. And then, all of a sudden, when they don't come for 20 years, uh, then, then you know what it's all about. Yeah. And to like, I'm very thankful everything's gone the way it did in my career because, like, now I've become a supervisor at work or whatever. Like, I run a team type of thing. And basically, what I do is I take all the lessons I learned from all the, the shitty bosses I had and managers and coaches and all the best ones I had. And I try to be what I would want and how I would want to be treated. And I think that's fair and honest. And if you are a top player, then you, you get treated like a top player. And if you're, if you lose my trust, then you lost my trust. And that's kind of how I do it. I kind of run my business life. Like it's a hockey team. And I, it seems to be going well so far. (laughs) I would just love to be in the, uh, the daily standup chats, Wally. (laughs) <laughs> um, actually speaking speaking else. of work i remember on that podcast you guys said do you wonder if he still has his job uh, <laughs> well, when, <laughs> when i got back from wales <laughs> i had some serious anxiety walking in the door i really did because i had uh my whole life, I'd always been the hockey guy, and everybody knew me as the hockey guy, and that's what you are. You're the hockey guy. Well, I had moved to a different town. Nobody really knew I was a hockey player back in the day because I was just a short, fat guy. If I told somebody I actually was a professional hockey player, they'd give me the up and down, like, sure, sure you were. Sure you were. Yeah, I believe you. Um, but... Uh, then when everybody started figuring out I really had played hockey and I'm going back to Wales for all this and that, um, 
I've built some relationships and gotten to know a bunch of people and uh, everybody is seeing the Twitter stuff and I show up at the office and uh, my team has a uh, <clears throat> topless photo of me uh, printed out and put up on the wall in the office uh, yeah. with the flag and the goat and uh, I had a good chuckle. I'm like, ha ha, that's great guys. Yeah, great photo. And then I was like, hmm, really uh, losing the respect around here. So I let them keep it up for a day. And then I'm like, all right, all right, let's take that down. Let's forget about that now. This is serious. <laughs> uh, then the yeah. one on with you on the massage table with the Russian girl went up in its place. That was. <laughs> I, I, I never got on the table. I was not allowed. Didn't have the body type. <laughs> should, um, should Gaz and myself dip out at this point? Do you guys want to talk about that day in Sheffield? You know, as we've got you on and you won the Challenge Cup that day, Wally, and particularly the celebrations afterwards. Do you guys want to have hold court for a bit and tell us about that day in Sheffield? Um. Well, the the game or afterwards? What what are you looking? Well, both, but mainly afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, it's it's weird because everybody thinks uh, trophies. It's strange because when I played in Germany, they had the Pokal tournament, which was the third league and the second league combined, and it's a year long tournament, just like the Challenge Cup. But there's a lot more teams involved, and it takes all year. And I remember being there players thinking this isn't we don't want to play extra games like we're making this much money why would we want to play 15 extra games but then once you get close to actually winning it then it became important well we ended up winning it there and you don't realize so you're in the finals like it's a big deal well the challenge cup and it's a big deal like you play hockey to win trophies like why what else are you doing it never made sense to me what they thought of the pokal in germany but anyways that night, we, I think the night before, we went to a hotel and like actually stayed the night before, which we normally wouldn't, just to like get locked in. And it was a little different. And then when we played that night, I thought we played like a perfect hockey game. Like nobody made mistakes, nobody made turnovers. Everybody was blocking shots, everybody was giving it the extra effort, everybody was battling for every puck. Like, and then you saw what it meant to the fans and even the owners. They were there with their red lights on their heads, and, <laughs> you know. Um, and you see all the buses show up, and you realize like how big of a deal it is. And um, Wally, I don't, was, I don't, I, know if you, I don't know if you know this, but um, right before the game, like I'm in the, uh, you know, that uh, bit across the corridor where we had the massage tables and stuff. There was no Russians in there. Um, <laughs> But, but I'm chatting with Lordo. We're just going over a few things, and a uh, message pings through on my phone. It's from uh, Brian Parker. So I was like, what, "Why is Parker messaging? Um, like maybe he's got some like intel or something on Sheffield." So I open up the message from Parker, and it's a picture of my dad on the fan bus, and there's a girl behind him uh, with her boobs on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and I remember that at. photo yeah. and that's what I'm looking at right before the Challenge Cup final <laughs> uh, that, that season um, with the collection of guys we had Huddy, Carl uh, uh, oh, Dougie um, Endo. Endo like I, man I remember we did uh, it was like a little cabina fest type thing like where you you have practice and then you have a little bit of food all together and have a beer or two. One practice. This was early odd that season. 
<laughs> and everybody heads out. Oh, Carl <laughs> and Endo and Deese decide to keep drinking. And, like, they got the goalie gear on, and they're in the locker room just having a great time, like, shooting pucks at each other with goalie gear on. <laughs> and Lorna walks in. <laughs> and you got Hendo and Carl dressed as goalies shooting on each other, drinking with the equipment manager. It was there, – there was – you never knew what was going to happen. You show up at the rink, and you never knew what jokes were going to be said. You never knew who was going to do what. It was – it was by far the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. Yeah, and Carl Hudson's a big part of that. <laughs> oh, man, that uh, team dinner, I don't know what it was for, Thanksgiving, Christmas, something. We went to, was it Tiger Tiger, when he was doing the air guitar <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> like, he was in the middle of the dance floor doing the air guitar. He's got the hair over his face, and he was just <laughs> rocking it and yeah this is at your work christmas party it was hilarious one of your uh one of your old teammates ben bounds has uh submitted a, a question he doesn't know if you're allowed to tell this story but he said can you talk about the time you had a little scuffle with steeler dan before a game <laughs> oh dear <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like i yeah, I can tell my stories. I just can't tell anybody else's. Um, you at least win that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I beat the wheels off. Of um, and I thought that, you couldn't get any more legendary to the Devils fans. I think yeah. you just elevated that now. <laughs> oh, I, I always hate the Steelers. That's the team I hate the most. I Honestly, as much as this is going to piss off everybody, I really don't care. But I am so thankful because that summer I was choosing between the Steelers and the Devils was what it kind of came down to. They were both offering the NBA. And it came down to Cardiff's was one year and Sheffield's was two years. And why do you want to go to school for two years? Like, let's get this done. <laughs> um, but after talking with everybody and I, I'm, I'm so thankful I made the decision I did. Because if I would have shown up to Sheffield, they can say whatever they want to me. I know this is true. I, my knee would have been hurting. I would have been a little out of shape and they would have gassed me. Like I've seen them gas a dozen other people in the last five years. I would have been gone before any of all of this happened that now I'm a devil's whatever legend, whatever you guys call me. None of that would happen. Cause I would have never had the opportunity to turn it around and start playing better. Have the rest of that season. I did because those first two months when I struggled, I bet you I would have been gone before anything would have turned around. There wouldn't have been an urge fixing my knee, making me feel better. And uh, that's how I feel about the orange. Uh, they can think what they want. Um, that's why I like burning oranges on my Cardiff Devils <laughs> fire pit. <laughs> but I just I, – I, I have so much respect for Todd, Lordo, for how they run a hockey team. I remember Lordo saying to me that first year when we were talking about players, it had nothing to do with me. Um, but he said, well, I don't want to be the coach that fires a guy and brings in another guy because as a coach, isn't that my job to make him play better? I signed this guy. I've put invested in him. Is it not my job to turn his season around and help him improve and help him get better? Isn't that a job? of a coach 
not to gas him and bring in someone else because he didn't do the job. And for me, they did that for me those first couple months in Cardiff. And then I turned things around. And then when I hurt my knee and it was over and the doctor said it was over and like, I couldn't play anymore. And I went and met Todd. Um, we had the same talk and he said, I wasn't ready to um, face the real world yet. I had mentally prepared to be in Cardiff for the year. I had rented out my house. I, I was not ready. I wasn't ready to go home and be like, Oh, my knees hurt. I got to start life now. I wasn't ready. And I went and had a beer with them. And like, we talked about, it. I'm like, the doctors are saying I'm done. Like I can't play. Like I'm not allowed to. And it was emotional and it was tough, but so many hockey teams would have said, well, you got to go. I need the apartment for the next player. I'm not paying for this when you're not valuable to the team. So when he said, you can stay and I may ask you to help me in the office a little bit. And I said, Hey man, I'll do whatever. And that whatever turned into a lot of things. <laughs> uh, they never, and that's the other thing is they never really gave me direction of what, what was in the job description. Once I was no longer a hockey player, they let me figure that out. And I think everybody can say that uh, <laughs> what happened after was just bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but good. Yeah. But yeah, I would just say the way they run a hockey team, I have so much respect for them. And the reason the Devils win so many trophies is because of the people leading that team. When I go to work as a manager now, I try to be a little more like Todd Kelman every day. That is the best hockey team I've ever seen ran out of all the teams I've been on. You And once you've played on some teams where like, the GM doesn't know he doesn't get it or the coach is however he is. And you realize what works for you and what doesn't. And you really respect people for being honest that they, if you give Todd and Lordo a honest effort and you're a good person, you'll be on that team for a long time. In my opinion. Very nice words. Very nice words. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Brent, that second year away, um, you, you did uh, unfortunately have to, to cut your season short. Uh, we understand um, Franny's told a couple of stories in the past, but you uh, de facto... Oh, I got sidetracked there, eh? The, Dan, the Steeler Dan, I got sidetracked. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Johnny, oh, yeah. Johnny wow, did... I went way off the rails there. <laughs> yeah, talk us about your, your duel with uh, Steeler Dan. Yeah. Okay. Now. Okay. I'll stay on track this time. <laughs> so, um, this is part of, uh, when I was hurt and there was no job description. Um, <laughs> I had done the pregame speeches for the team. Um, so basically there was a time there where the coaches or Lord will let me be the doctor said I couldn't play anymore. I had my talk with Todd. We decided I was going to stay in Cardiff for the year. Um, <laughs> so I would come watch the games and I wasn't really involved. Like they talked about me being on the bench, but Franny and I think it was Jamie were already on the bench. So I, there was no room for me. You can only have so many, whatever, Deese is on the bench. 
so I couldn't be on the bench. And then I remember watching the game and <laughs> well, Dees would used to do pregame speeches by himself or with Lordo and they'd be a little strange sometimes, but usually it was just Lordo coming in doing the pregame speech where he's all wound up and um, Dees was trying to keep it fun. And uh, I said to Lord, I said, why, why don't I give it a try? Why don't I help Dees out? Why don't I do some pregame speeches with Dees? So then, you know, I'm the type of guy that when I'm doing something, I, I want to be good at it. I, I want to do good. I don't, I think of every detail. If I'm cooking dinner for my family, I'll review what I cooked and try and figure out how I can do better the next time. That's just the way I am. So these pregame speeches, they just kept getting bigger and bigger and more ridiculous. But I was winning. I started out 9-0 and um, <laughs> because when you think about it, like if somebody's willing to go to the extent I was, how is you as a player, how can you not give your best effort if there is a guy spray painted green <laughs> and yelling at you like he's the Hulk how can you not go out and give a full effort if somebody's willing to do that for the team? <laughs> so that was how I, all I wanted to do was win one more time. And that's how I helped. So the Steeler Dan thing was I had never got to go on the road. I hadn't been on the road uh, because the team's obviously not going to pay for the meals and all the other stuff. And like, why would I go? I don't play. <laughs> so it was the biggest game of the year. I think we were in second or first and Sheffield's right there with us. And uh, we were playing them on the road. And I said to Lisa, I said, honey, I'm nine and oh, as a pre or I'm six and oh, as a pregame speaker, whatever. I got to go like I'm, I'm part of this again. I'm part of the team again. Like they need me. I got to go. <laughs> but they, then I, I was like, the team's not taking me. Like they can't know about it. So I reached out to, Jonathan Williams and uh, got on the fan bus and uh, had a hoot got to know all the fans I think a lot better than any player ever could because I spent the six hours driving to Sheffield and back or whatever it is and drank some beers and talked about <laughs> all the issues with the team and we solved a lot of problems <laughs> um, but I went with the team to Sheffield because it was such a big game and then we go into the pub when we get there because we're a bit early I'm we've been drinking all the way up and then we're drinking at the pub I'm like man these guys they're <laughs> they're hardcore <laughs> um but so d sneaks me into the locker room during warm-ups and uh the team's out there so they don't have no clue i'm in sheffield and i go hide in the shower dress <laughs> so i got colby's stuff um because he was right into superheroes <laughs> so i got a blonde wig a thor <laughs> helmet and uh the Thor hammer that Pigsy had given Colby for his birthday. It would light up and like thunder lightning, the whole thing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there naked in the shower, <laughs> dressed as Thor. And I wait and I wait. And then the deal is like, Deese would always come in and do something by himself on the road. Well, we decide he's going to come in as Steeler Dan. So he comes in as Steeler Dan and says, hey guys, what's up? And everybody's like, why is our equipment manager dressed as the other team's mascot? So everybody's looking around. And then all of a sudden, 
I come bursting out of the shower, dressed as <laughs> Thor with the hammer, and I hit Deese with that hammer so hard. Uh, he said he never sat down for a week, but I got the boys <laughs> fired up. And I actually have the video on my phone. It actually makes me want to burn my phone, but I have the video. <laughs> I have the footage. And when I f- came out, you could see some of the guys like actually stand up like <laughs> – holy cow like whoa where did he come from and then they went out won the game and uh yeah it was my thoughts on that whole season was if if I'm doing this as an injured player then surely you can go out and give it your all if I'm doing this it did get really weird (laughs) um there's some yeah, some stories that are like. I think I was the you cameraman. So much. I think I was the cameraman for Thor. Yeah, I, I think, think I you were. <laughs> and like, it's like when I told Lisa I was going on the podcast here, and she goes, "Um, are you sure we should do that? <laughs> are we sure we should talk about these things? Because that was a very bizarre time in my life. Because basically, my hockey career was over." I was lost. I didn't know. I knew I wanted to win one last time and I was going to do everything I could, but that no longer meant I was going to play hockey and help that way. So I was the power play coach and uh, my pregame speeches were going to be as good as they possibly could be. (laughs) And they were. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, we we went through the budget that year. (laughs) <laughs> do you have a do you have a favorite is uh, is thor the favorite or do you have a couple of other highlights from uh, i uh, did? i think uh well the there was a couple highlights i would say one definitely was when it, i think i was nine and oh and uh i asked lordo i'm like i would always have to ask him like can i do this one can i do that <laughs> and he and i'd say can i be the same thing i've already been and because you got to keep it fresh and uh, like you gotta so i asked if i could do the same thing again and he said no like it has to be better you have to keep getting better (laughs) so every time i had to get more grand so after nine games i uh colby was the only kid on the team that year um i think other than uh richie's daughter but uh he was the only kid and Everybody really took a shine to him. He would be the one dishing out the beers after the games to all the players. <laughs> and he was only like two. And uh, he thought he was Hulk. He actually thought he was Hulk a lot of the times. He would wear this Hulk outfit. And I'd walk around the bay and he would roar at everybody and think he was Hulk. So <laughs> um, I yeah. said, all right. I said, it doesn't, I, it doesn't I, help when his dad is dressed as Spider-Man with Hendo. valid point yeah i was a bit of an enabler (laughs) Um, but yeah so colby did a pregame speech with me so i don't know if anybody would know the dressing room and the bbt there was this closet at the end of the dressing room (laughs) that was just a storage room there was just shit piled up everywhere and nobody ever opened that door so (laughs) <laughs> the first time that this ever started of me doing pregame speeches, I sat in that closet by myself, drinking a pint, waiting for Lordo to do his thing. And I'd have to have the beer to like get the nerves down because I tell you, I was way more nervous doing pregame speeches than I was playing games. Uh, 
just because I wanted to be perfect and I only had like 30 seconds. So I would sit there and wait and then I, I came flying out of this closet that nobody knew anybody was in there and I'm naked um, with uh, that time. The first time I was Thor and then I think I told Richie that we were going to give him the whole hammer um, and uh, they, I think I said they were going to like it. Um, something along those lines. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were definitely going to give them the whole hammer and I was <laughs> Thor. But uh, then I did the speech with Colby and he came in. I was Iron Man, spray painted red. And he was Hulk. He actually had clothes on, which was nice. Um, so he came in dressed as Hulk and gave a roar for the team. And they all went crazy. And when they all started yelling, Colby kind of got a little nervous. And I was like, oh, boy, is he going to cry? Oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then he went around and high-fived every player. And, uh, yeah, my, my two-year-old gave a pregame speech to a professional hockey team. Um, but yeah, that was when, it, and Lordo said to me, he goes, you realize what you're doing, bring him in. Cause if we win and it was, he was basically saying, if we win, like Colby has to come to every game, <laughs> Scotland, wherever it is. Um, but we actually lost that game. So Colby got lucky. He didn't have to do every game. Cause Colby man, it, was, it was exhausting trying to come up with new stuff every game. Yeah. He's top first choice though for the next coach after Andrew Lord, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you, you uh, actually had your own budget, didn't you? You after you'd used all the Colby's get up, then uh, yeah, you had a budget every week to go buy new stuff in Toys R Us. I think, uh, yeah, I had, uh, yeah, basically I did. Once I ran out of all the Colby stuff, it was uh, I would go to Toys R Us and like I would look for the whole time they were practicing. I was making sure I. There were times I had throwing stars, I ninja ninja stars, um, and I always found it very fun that whoever was the healthy scratch would, you know, get to help. Well, funny thing that Gleason Fournier is still there because let me tell you, his first couple weeks as a Cardiff Devil, he may never forget <laughs> because um, I was hurt or whatever, doing my thing, getting ready. He got suspended, I think. I believe, did he get suspended? I don't know. He missed Yeah, he did. So suspension. Hendo, Hendo is a healthy scratch, I believe. And um, Forns is in play. And I'm out in the trailer behind the BBT getting ready for my show. And uh, yeah, Deese and I were like having shots of alcohol and like having drinks to like calm me down um and <laughs> forns is out there i'm dressed spray painted is spray painting me hendo's having a beer and this guy that is a world-class defenseman is watching this going where <laughs> the hell did i sign uh, there's a fat naked guy getting spray painted by deese um everybody's drinking that's not playing <laughs> it was <laughs> bizarre oh <laughs> uh, yeah that must have been a good first impression that was like his first week or two on the team john franny do we have any follow-up questions that you've uh prepared? Oh, actually sorry oh, now here we go. you did say yeah you did say the favorite manchester yes. franny you remember that one 
Remind me, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was the last weekend of the regular season. I might need a beer for this one. <laughs> um, it's the last weekend, and we play on the road the first yeah, game, and then we have a home game. And uh, we need to win both, and we needed help, I believe, yeah. to win it. So I said to Honey, again, I said to Lisa, I said, Honey, I got to go. I, I got to do the pregame speech. The, the boys need me. Um, so I got on the fan bus again and uh, <laughs> headed for Manchester with an axe, a sword, and a shield um, in my bag. And I'd get on the fan bus and I'd have my duffel bag and all the fans would be like, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? Like, I'm not, I am not telling you. I'd have to kill you. <laughs> and uh, the only part of my outfit that was missing was like a helmet, like a, like a, a Viking helmet. And for some reason we get to Manchester and the guy telling the bus where to park is wearing a Viking hat, like a hat. And I think, wow, the stars are really aligned here. And, uh, yeah. So I asked him if I can borrow his hat. I said, I'm here to do the pregame speech and I'm going to be a naked Viking and I need your hat. <laughs> and he said, hockey family, man, just return it when you're done. And you didn't even tell him where you were wearing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, and <laughs> and uh, this is right near the end of the season. So everything's had to have gotten bigger and better and more epic. So, uh, <laughs> I D says, well, do you want to make it more authentic? I, I think I should cover you in dirt if you're a real Viking. <laughs> so we go out back at the Manchester arena and he's literally picking up handfuls of dirt and rubbing them all over my naked body. <laughs> so instead of paint, it was dirt. So I have my hat on, I got my ax, my sword, my shield. And, uh, but Actually, that was the night we were there way too early, and I ended up drinking in the lobby, hiding from all the players with the fans. That was quite the night. So anyways, I get in the bathroom during warm-ups, and I'm sitting there drinking my beer. I got my axe, my sword, my shield, and I'm waiting for my big moment. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts coming in way too early, and I'm like, what just happened? And I hear through the bathroom door that I've locked that, the glass has been broke and they're still going out for warm-ups later. So I'm sitting there naked and afraid. <laughs> uh, with, my beer's gone and I'm just sitting there naked with an axe, a sword and a shield, just waiting, just sitting there naked, covered in dirt. And they're all sitting there. And I remember Herv the perv, <laughs> Hervato. Uh, he says, if that's Wally in the bathroom, I'm going to kill him because there's only one bathroom and they couldn't get in. <laughs> so they had to go to the defenseman and goalie's room to take a leak because I'm in the bathroom locked and they're saying it's jammed. The toilet's clogged. Like you can't come in because it's broken. That's what Deese was telling everybody. So then they finally go back out for warm-up. Dees opens the door. He goes, are you okay? I'm like, my, my legs are asleep. I'm just sitting on the toilet. Like, why did I come all the way to Manchester? I'm covered in dirt, holding an axe and a shield. I'm thinking, man, this is, where has my life gone? What, what am I doing? So then they come back in. I finally, Lordo does a speech, and then I come flying out. 
I throw the axe on the floor, break it in half. I, for some reason, I always got in Richie's face. I don't know why. <laughs> I always got in Richie's face and uh, always would be yelling about him being a quiet psycho and saying, are you going to eat pucks tonight? Are you going to be blocking pucks with your face? And then I would uh, do the big Viking thing and then they'd go out and play and win and I'd go up and have a couple beers with the fans and then uh, – uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty tough day at work that day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would say I would say that one would be a highlight. Would be going to Manchester, but you know, <clears throat> the one thing I did want to say on this podcast is uh, when you're done hockey and you start working for real, and you realize how many hours you have to be at work. And then you only get so many weekends and you still have your kids and you still have everything else going on. The time the fans take to be as passionate as they are with the devils and every other hockey team, there really isn't it. it, None of this would happen without them. And you do become much more appreciative the older you get. And once you start working full time, I think there's a lot of hockey players in the world that don't get the fan side of thing and how little time people have to invest their money and time into the devils. There's so many other things you can do on a weekend than go to a hockey game. And uh, well, yeah, I'm very, I'm very appreciative just <laughs> of all the fans in Cardiff. Like they are the most passionate and the best fans I ever played for. Um, and that's why, like I still have a relationship four or five years later and we're still doing this is because like, it's fun. It's fun to interact with the fans. And like, I missed that in Germany because for a while I didn't know German. I didn't even know how to talk to fans. So you just never did. And you never had that side of it. But yeah, I'm very appreciative of, cause for me, like, I'm like, how would I ever have time to be invested in a hockey team? Like a lot of those fans are, I don't have the time. So that that's one thing I'd like to say. So thanks to all the Cardiff Devils fans and all the hockey fans for any minor pro team and whatever. Well said, well said. Well said. Yeah, and this is why one. we have to have Wally Night. <laughs> yeah, we got to do it every year because that was a lot of fun. That was. It turned around I the guess. game. <sighs> um, well, I, you know, I, I, I was, I was going to take credit if they won yeah. the title. Like I was going <laughs> to say, you know, the season really turned around November. I don't know who did it. <laughs> I remember we were down one nothing, and then something happened. Uh, I don't think I'll ever forget standing there with Hendo, and you're like, "I got to do something about this. I got to do something about this." And me and Hendo were just egging you on, <laughs> knowing something spectacular. Was I, I I remember because like I had I had thought about it. Like it was not something that obviously I just decided to go do. Like I <laughs> I had thought about what I'm gonna do, and Hendo and I would talk and. Prepared. I told Hendo that there was going to be a Wally night, and he was like, "That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard." <laughs> and he and he was telling me that I should have my Spider-Man outfit and I should come in from the ceiling and get <laughs> down, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like after everything the Devils did for me, Todd and Lordo and the owners, like to fly me over, give me the VIP room, the food, the booze, the just everything like I've been out of the game for four years and like it's devastating leaving the game it's hard it's very hard and you got to figure out life completely after like you have to start all over 
And to get that four years later, something I'll never forget. It was uh, incredible. Um, yeah. It was I don't think nuts. anyone's going to forget it. I did see the other day on uh, Twitter that, <laughs> uh, that there was calls for um, the, the standing block to be renamed Walton Corner. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. Right now on the podcast, I am fully back in that. There we go. We'll start the, we will start the campaign. Start the campaign. Well, next year, <laughs> yeah. it starts at Walton Corner. Well, you you know, for I'll just explain what was going through my head for the average fan that just all of a sudden saw me topless in the crowd was <laughs> I they already do this, have me over, have this night, do the Q and A with the fans. Then obviously they want me to go down to the pregame speech, which I think I did a, a fantastic job. Um, that whole week I had heard from basically everybody is that how much more the game's changed. I watched it change a lot in my career, but in the last four years, what I heard coming back is players are stressed out. Coaches are stressed out. Management stressed out. Fans are critical. They have all these high expectations now that we win all the time. And if you have a bad game, all of a sudden, you know, it's the end of the world. And for me playing pro especially once like the NHL wasn't happening. I was in Europe. I was like, I want to have fun. Like this is supposed to be fun playing hockey. This isn't supposed to be a job. It's supposed to be fun. And I, I decided to do what I did because I wanted to let everybody know that it's just a game. This is fun. And I remember the BBT when everybody was in it together, everybody was so close and so tight and it was like a family atmosphere in the BBT. And uh, I decided that I wanted to promote the standing section because I had seen on Twitter and everything that it was something that was trying to get going, trying to get off the ground. <laughs> and uh, I had told Lisa, I'm like, we, you know, we got to go promote it. We got to go support it. And uh, it was zero, zero. And I'm like, well, we can't, Lisa says to me, she goes, we can't go until um or she says we got to go because the game's almost over and I said well we can't go and then the other team scores and then this is a waste like we can't do that like it has to be the right time so she goes okay well there's five, seven minutes left like we got to go I'm like all right zero zero she's like I just gotta pee I'm like okay we get a power play she's going pee then we get the five on three and then I start getting a little ants in my pants because I told <laughs> Franny I'm like if we score I'm ripping my jersey off and I'm <laughs> because I was already spray painted as the goat. It wasn't that's, coming that's off for coming days. Off, no. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do? Wave the flag with my card of devil's jersey on? Like anybody can do that. You got to make it, <laughs> you got to amp it up a little bit. So then I was like, well, I'm already spray painted as the goat. And everybody's telling me that Marty hasn't scored all year. And then Lisa's coming back from the bathroom as we score and I go down and Marty scores the goal, his first in however long, and I'm spray painted as him. And I asked this nice little gal in the crowd, I said, can I, can I please have your flag? She goes, Oh yes. Rip my shirt off. And then I, I never really thought it all through because then I saw about a thousand iPhones on me. And I thought, Ah, oh, right. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't know. You do every, all that for me. 
I want to do a little something for you was what was going through my mind. <laughs> that's, that's why I did it was I want everybody to remember that hockey should be fun and it, it, it's supposed to be fun. It's a game. Um, and the fans too, like it's everybody like it's, it's, and, uh, the nicest thing I've probably ever had was the email leaving town from Todd. Uh, I was in the airport and, uh, I, we're sitting there, we're kind of, it's been a f- lot of days of drinking and having fun. And then I open up this email while we're eating breakfast in the Cardiff airport and I start reading it and I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm like, and then I start crying and Lisa's like, mm-hmm. are you crying? I'm like, yes. Yep. Yeah, I'm crying in the Cardiff airport. Yes, I am doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I passed it to her and then she started tearing up and I was like, yeah, pretty heavy. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like the whole time before I came over, I would tell people around here, I'd say, I'm not really sure why they're doing this. I, I don't know. And then he kind of wrote it in an email and it was, uh, it was a nice thing to have around. I read it a few times. I thought you were going to say it was the bill for the sheets in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, he's had a few hotel bills for me. Uh, gentlemen, I, I wish we could talk for uh, hours more, but um, I think we've uh, just come to the, the end of our recording. John, is there a, a final comment from you for uh, this episode? No, I, I always love talking to, to, to Brent. I would just ask him to, um, you know, keep keep in touch keep coming on this podcast and to keep his clothes on (laughs) (laughs) franny is there a final thought from you no i i just love seeing how passionate wally is about the devils and uh he's probably our biggest advocate out there and um you know we love watching you on the ice um you know from from me being um you know as the bench coach at the time having you as a, a teammate in the locker room and know how um how well thought of you are by all your teammates and stuff. And that's, you know, that's not just all the crazy stuff, but just how genuine you are. And, um, you know, you've always got a massive place in, in Cardiff hearts. And I know, uh, you know, Cardiff's got a good place in your heart too. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to see an annual Brent Walton night. And <laughs> as of now, it's not the standing block. It's the, the Walton corner. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely get that as a permanent official change. And, uh, yeah, Brent, just to echo all the comments from John and, and Franny there, uh, very few players will have made such a lasting impact in just a couple of seasons. Um, so thank you very much for your, for your time when you were wearing our jersey. And uh, thank you very much for your, your time this, uh, this evening. And uh, we hope that you're staying well and staying safe like uh, the rest of the world at the moment. But thank you so much uh, for your time. Yeah. Guys, on that note, just a final thing. I'm sure Brent echoes this in, in Canada, but for us, anyone watching it who is a kind of involved with the health service or, or caregivers or things like that, just pass on our our thanks. And if this provides a little bit of distraction, uh, uh, this podcast, um, you know, hopefully it, uh, it lifts a few people up. But uh, thank you for everything that uh, uh, people are doing for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just I say thank you very much for having me on. Um, with everything going on in the world, it's uh, very bizarre times. And uh, I thought, why not give some people something to do like I was when I was listening to the podcast <laughs> that you just want to take your mind off of things and relive old fun times. And I had a lot of fun times in Cardiff and uh, 
the reason I'm always waving the Cardiff Devils flag is because of how I was treated there by everybody. So that's why I do it. Um, and I'll continue to do it. So thank you very much for having me on, guys. No problem. We'd love to have you on again as well. And uh, John, very, very uh, lovely message to end on as well. And of course, we pass our thanks on to everyone who's uh, currently at the front line of uh, this uh, situation. So uh, I've been Gareth Hewish on behalf of uh, Mr. John Donovan, Mr. Neil Francis, and Mr. Brent Walton. Thank you very, very much for listening. And uh, if you're on the audio version, there's a bit of brass bonanza. But if not, you'll just fade to black. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.